This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, welcome to Guitar Talk. I'm your host, Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Man, what a beautiful day here on May 19th. We got an amazing show for you today. Uh, before we hop into the show, of course, I want to invite you to go to Guitar Talk Official and subscribe to our website so that you can stay posted as to everything that's going on on Guitar Talk Official because there is a lot more than just the podcast. You know, we do the podcast every week. Every now and then I throw out a special show. But on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., Guitar Talk is on Mountain City Rock Radio in Montreal. That's at mountaincityrock.com. Sometimes those shows are completely different than the ones that you get here on Guitar Talk uh, with me here on the podcast. And then also, of course, at the website, we got a variety of things that we do. We got Guitar Talk TV. I released some of the uh, interview videos. Of course, we have gear and uh, you know demos and reviews. We have a series called Hidden Gems where we highlight great players from around the world that we think you should know. And then, of course, there is The Vault, which is a uh, section of Guitar Talk TV that has just a ton of live video footage of some of the greatest players that there is. So you know what? You don't need to go to YouTube no more. You can just go to Guitar Talk TV and the vault, and you can just tune into everything guitar right there. And there you go. The other thing, too, is just a reminder in that that uh, you know that I'm getting ready to do some shows this summer and into the fall, uh, not only under with my own band, but with another all star band called the Halstead Hustlers. We got a lot of dates uh, coming up. As a matter of fact, I got one June. 26 that's going to be in St. Louis at the Casa Loma Ballroom and then uh, the beginning of July July 2nd we're at the 12 Bar Lounge in East Peoria Illinois and then July 3rd at Indiana Beach at the uh, Sky Room there at Indiana Beach in Monticello Indiana you can go to you know Jimmy Warren official or Halstead Hustlers dot uh, com and you can get all the information on those dates as a matter of fact we're getting ready to go in the studio with the hustlers and you know we're going to release a couple of singles and have to get this ball rolling you know because we want to get out we want to get in front of you guys right you know it's all about the guitar so let's do it you know let's have a blast and hey Last but not least, you know, hey, follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook, you know. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to, you know, get your opinion of the show. You know, let's talk some guitar. You know, let's talk gear. Let's get geeky with this thing, you know, to some degree, you know. I'm sorry I use the word geeky. 
But, uh, you know, let's have some fun with it. So go ahead and uh, I appreciate you, you know, checking it out. So today my guest is uh, not only a great guitar player, but he is an amazing songwriter. Um, That's one of the things that I really love about this guest is that his ability to craft a song is really good. And I'm talking about Anders Osborne. Now, Anders played with a lot of people. He's put out a lot of solo albums. He's been on several uh, record labels. You know, sometimes he's most known for the North Mississippi All Stars, depending on who you are. But uh, he's been around, man. He has been around. He's like I said, you know, he's won a ton of awards. Uh, he's worked with a lot of people. Uh, he's played a lot of festivals across this country and around the world. And he's co-written songs with some really great uh, blues and blues rock artists, you know, over the years. So, you know what? I had an opportunity to sit down with Anders and uh, talk about his guitars and his playing and his history a little bit. But we got a little bit, you know, deeper into his process for writing songs. So... Although this is guitar talk and we love to talk and focus on the guitar, this is kind of cool, you know, because as guitarists, you know, it's good to learn how to craft a song, you know, the right way or or learn another way or find out how somebody else is doing it. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. So I want you to sit back, put your feet up, of course, make sure you got yourself a nice cool beverage and enjoy this conversation with Anders Osborne with me, Jimmy Warren, right here on Guitar Talk. All right, on. I appreciate you taking some time for me. Oh, you kidding me? I'm sorry I missed it last time. It was all me. I just, I was watching birds or some shit. I don't want to know. So where are you where are you located at? I'm I'm guessing the south. Yeah, I'm in New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, man, you've had uh, you've had a really long, impressive career. And uh, I'm fascinated by anybody that can just pick up the guitar all by themselves and just sing and play. I, I don't understand where that talent comes from, but it's it's a remarkable talent that you have. Uh, oh, thank you. You got a new album, though, that's getting ready to come out. It's called Orpheus and Mermaids. Is that right? Yeah, Orpheus and the Mermaids. That's it. My son's knocking. I'm in the podcast, bro. Anders? Yeah. What'd you need? Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, you got to come in. I'm in in a podcast. What'd you need, babe? Uh, I was wondering if I could borrow your car. Did you need it again? No, I'm good, man. All right, sweet. I'm going over to Moz's to help him and his dad work. Great. Make some money. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. All right. Take some ibuprofen and get over there. I will. Bye. Bye. I love you. Love you too. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's the real deal. Is that your son? That's my son. He's getting ready to be 18 next week. Yeah. Oh wow. How many kids do you have? I got two. Uh, my daughter Rose is going to be 20 in a month. She's in college right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's it's weird when they when they're all gone. I've got five. Holy crap. Yeah. And, and when uh, the last one left, it was weird. I mean, the house felt weird for a long time. I bet. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get a, 
just a little taste of it. He goes to the girlfriend and he leaves and he's out a lot. Yeah. And he's the last one, you know, out of the two. And there are moments I look at my wife and I go, I guess this is us now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like, okay. Because you put all your, yeah, you know, not just time and money, but your heart. And so you're, you're filling your existence with these kids. That's, that's your job. That's what you do. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you're going to yeah. have to give me pointers, bro. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have no pointers. It's just weird. It's, it, it is, it's just weird. I don't know by, by your, your kids and that, but my kids, man, they'd have, I mean, it was always a house full. My daughter would show up with 10, 15 people at a time. Wow. And, and it was just, it was nonstop. You know, you were never alone. It wasn't always loud. There wasn't, I mean, it was always a lot of people. And then yeah. all of a sudden, bam, it was gone. It was me and my wife and our dogs. And it was like, you could hear the birds outside, you know, and crickets. <laughs> Well, what do we do now? You know, what do we say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Like I said, just a tiny taste of it. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, you know, between she and I, but like what we do, do you, you know, do you stay in the house or do you cash in a bit and get like a small little condo? And like, we're thinking, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to be 55. She's a bit younger, 10 years younger than me, but. I'm like, well, I got, I'm entering fall of my life. I'm not going to waste not even minutes, man. I'm, I'm just like, whatever we need to do to have a really wonderful time, stay healthy and see things and do things. So we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. I heard somebody say one time that they wanted to, they wanted the latter part of their lives to feel like they were starting out rather than ending up. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's, you put that in a song. <laughs> I like that. That's a great fucking theme. Yeah. Cause that's what it is. The midlife crisis thing is that you're wondering if you're in the right place. Yeah. You know, not, not regrets for me, but it's just like, you know, where am I? What am I doing? What, what's, what do I do now? What's happening now? I mean, we did it. I did all that. I now own all the shit. What do I do with all this shit? I got to get rid of shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. God, I got so much shit. I got to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a really interesting place to be. I got to say, my 50s has been intense in a good way, really emotional. It's been pretty, pretty powerful five yeah. years here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm 55 as well and mm -hmm. kind of going through all the same stuff. We've talked about, you know, packing up and, selling the house and moving somewhere else. And, you know, small. Yeah. I have a corporate job. A lot of people don't know that, but I'm the vice president of sales for a national company. Oh, wow. And I would do anything to not have to do that. I know. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and I'm at that place in my life where I just told you, you know, do I want to start up or, or, you know, or, or end up or start out, you know, it's like, yeah. so who knows? Yeah, it's, it's very, um, the one thing, it's like most things that you go through in life, you realize, wow, we're all like going through almost exactly the same things. <laughs> it's yeah. very similar, no matter where in the world you are. You may have more or less of some shit, but yeah. it's about the same experience. It's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. So so when when you're writing music, 
in that mm-hmm. and you're writing songs are you are you taking from like those experiences is that oh, what yeah yeah. From? yeah i would say you know i stopped drinking and using drugs about 12 years ago and it was a big big change um and one of the things that really came to the forefront was honesty and it changed in my lyrics the way I wrote. I had started maybe three, four years prior to that to be just a little bit more in tune with things I wanted to say. Like my writing had started to become um, the place where I could edit out the stuff and then get to exactly what I want to say. But I would say right after sobriety, there were a couple of things that happened that it shifted how I looked at the song. I questioned, is this truly how you feel? Is this your language? If you would say this to your departed mother, would you speak like this? Or is this a songwriting language? And then, so I would adjust. So to answer your question, yeah, more and more, I love exploring absolute honesty in the poetic form. Like how does this go together with the rhythm and the melody and the topic? You know, if I'm sitting there, Facebook, YouTube, and some Netflix shit, it's 1120 at night. And I do that over and over and over. And I snack on the same crap and I have, you know, whatever. And you do this stuff and you go, what? I got to, I got to talk about this. Yeah. Why am I doing this? What, what happened to Tibet? What happened to, you know, volunteering in Africa for some good cause? All the thoughts I have, what happened? Why are you sitting here staring at a freaking screen? So yes, I, those are things now that I try to pay attention to do self-examination and go, okay. And then, you know, I have the platform instead of diary, I get to write and no one talks back to me when I write, I get to just say, <laughs> no one says, you know how your, your family and stuff, they go, yeah, 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 and they get out and you're like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, whatever, you know, I, I'm okay. <laughs> that doesn't happen when you get to write, you get to say exactly what you want. So it's, it's a quite a privilege to have that. Yeah. You, you know, it's neat that you do it like that, you know, because mm. uh, I, I, I would think that for you, that the music, the in the end product would be far more satisfying. Yeah. And just writing a song to write a song to have a song to put on an album or to make some money off of or whatever that might be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did staff writing up in Nashville. I would travel up there. For, you know, a long time, 14 years almost or something. Yeah. And uh, it was tricky because I, I spent many, many days, many hours just writing whatever. We need a hopeful song, uh, up-tempo, mid-tempo, and you just sit and you just hack away at that stuff. And there's a bunch of clever guys in the room and everybody's outsmarting the next one. And it, it definitely there's a market for it. You can make some money and it, it, I'm not putting it down at all. Some people love just crafting away, coming up with clever shit, but it didn't fit my personality. What I'm doing now. So when I quit going up there, 
Um, I took what I learned from the craftsmanship, all those great writers, and I went back and I, and I just started to hone in on this type of writing, I think. Like, it's, it's not confessional, but it's, it's a documentation of my self-inquiry. I want people that are like-minded to connect with me, and I want to be able to share things like death and depression and joy and birth of children and grandchildren, all that stuff. I want to be in those people's lives as we make music around it, you know? Yeah. So, so do you find that it has connected you in a deeper way to your audience? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I get letters and talks after a show or now when we do live streams, a lot of the comments and emails that I receive, they're, they're very personal. It's pretty yeah. damn cool. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of, what would you tell somebody like myself who is not good at songwriting uh-huh. uh, like myself, I can, I can write music or I can come up with music, mm-hmm. but the lyrics, they, I mean, it's just like, you know, it, it's hard to put two words together. So yeah. what would you tell somebody, you know, that was struggling, you know, with the lyrics, what should they do? Well, there are a few tricks. I've done a few workshops and, and I think one of the things I would start out by doing is to find your language. And the way I did it is that I started to, like I, kind of what I said earlier, which is how would I say this if I wasn't trying to make a song? Right. And I would record that sentence. Like if I've missed my son, he's been back in the days, if he went to camp and something. And if I wanted to say that, how much he meant to me, how do I speak? Not how do I write songs about it, but how do I write the words I'd say to my son? Would I use son or buddy or like I I would hone in on the details of my language. What is the language I use when I speak? And then sometimes it's good to record it on a voice memo or something so you can hear the inflictions you have, where you emphasize, because that's your rhythm. That's your cadence of how you speak. Yeah. Are you slow? Are you so sometimes if you want to write a rock song, but you kind of a slow speaker, maybe it's that's gonna be tricky. But right. these are things that I, I've learned over the years. The more I know about who I am, I find that my language comes up. And then I use that. And then for rhymes and you know, if there's a certain thing I like, just go to the people that you truly get touched by. If there's like, you know, anyone from, I don't know who you listen to, but let's say it's Paul Simon to Led Zeppelin, whatever, like listen to how they shape their songs. What kind of uh, approach do they seem to have? And then apply your language, even if it feels corny at times. You know, if you say, yo, brah, if you say that a lot, then you should use it in a, in a song. Hey, yo, bro, I thought about you like way too much. It really bothered, like use your language and then write that down. That helped me tremendously to understand who who I am when I speak. Does it make sense? It makes sense. But you know what? It it seems for a superficial person like myself, (laughs) 
it seems so deep. It's like, oh no, now I'm really going to have to take a hard look at myself. Do yeah, I maybe maybe scrap that. Just copy ACDC. You're good. <laughs> do I really want to do that? Am I going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you, man. <laughs> no, but, but if you just want to write something, you know, very lighthearted and some upbeat rock and roll or some, you know, something more simple and catchy, just take some of the people you really like and then who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Who cares yeah. if it, if it's stealing? I do it all the time. And I, I've been writing songs since I was eight and I steal left and right. <laughs> I mean, I just, that's what you got to do. There's only so many words and 12 notes. I need to use some of yours. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's really good. So, you know, one of the things that you said a, a little bit ago was you talked about uh, your recovery. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed, because I'm looking at your website, I have it in front of me, uh-huh. is the section where it says, send me a friend. Mm. I, I thought that 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 whole uh, that whole concept was was really cool. What what made you know, what is that for people that are listening? And, you know, how did that come to be? And what's that look like in the end? Um, so. The first six, 10 months of my recovery, you know, obviously it was very difficult to go back playing in bar rooms and clubs and festivals and all that stuff. Um, Cause the, just the mechanics that the habitual muscle memory wants to drink before, after this, and then the same old people are there with the drugs and whatever, you know, whatever people are doing. So, one time, a couple of really old timers from the AA thing, they offered to come sit with me. And I said, what do you mean come sit? Well, I don't know. We'll just come sit there. And they were like, they were like tough guys, like big old burly jailbirds and stuff. And I like, yeah, we'll come sit with you. I'm like, all right, whatever. But they <laughs> just sat on the side of the stage when I did a show. They didn't do anything. They just sat there and I'm like, wow, I feel accountable. Like my temptations are gone. I'm going to stay sober because my buddies are here. I feel protected. There was just all kinds of stuff going through my mind and my heart felt a little more calm as I was working. And I was also told in rehab, you know, that I should probably change my job for a minute, switch to something different while I, get a, a solid sobriety in. And I went, I didn't finish high school. I can't, I don't know, McDonald's. I, there's no way I can do something different. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. So I was like, well, how do we get people back to work? Cause most musicians are like that. This is what they've done their whole life. They're passionate about, you know, the art of music. So I thought maybe I can steal what these guys did and start some sort of, foundation where we set up a database of people with a decent amount of sobriety and a good heart that you can call on to come out when you play in the beginning of your sobriety, when you're squirrely and you just don't feel right. And they're not there to preach or get you sober or keep you sober. They just keep you company, literally a sober buddy, a friend that sits there while you go to work so you can pay your mortgage, feed your kids and do the things you got to do. So I called a friend who started a bunch of foundations, uh, also in sobriety, and we just 
we kicked it off and it's been growing. <laughs> you know, obviously with the pandemic, there's not a whole lot we're doing right now because we didn't want to spread too thin and just do a bunch of, you know, service work. We want to focus on sending someone to people in the music industry, sound engineers, musicians, whatever. And we would send somebody. So, but we did for about two and a half years. We send people every week all over the country. People came out and sat with sober musicians while they, you know, try to go back to work. So that's what we did. Wow. And that's what we're doing. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's really cool because you know, you've been you've been really uh forthcoming, it seems. You know, you you're 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 a guy that you just it seems like you're a guy that just what I what I mean is what I say and what I feel is what I'm gonna tell you and so forth. So I'm gonna share something with you that I haven't shared with anybody else. And that is the fact that uh it was back in the uh early two thousands. Cause I used to play and tour. I played with buddy miles and I did some mm. shows with Chaka Khan and a lot of other people in that. Uh, I was into drinking and drugs really, really bad to the point to where I stopped playing. Mm. I sold all my gear. We moved to a rural community in the middle of nowhere, you know, in a house way outside of that rural community in the middle of nowhere just to escape all that because I didn't want to be around it at all. Wow. And, and I wouldn't play guitar. I wouldn't even play the guitar, Yeah, you know, at all. And it was like, I don't know. It was like maybe two years later, mm. my wife bought a, an acoustic guitar at a pawn shop, you know, and brought it home just because she knew that I loved to play, Yeah, you know, and she knew that I really missed it. And so she got it for me, you know, so that, you know, I could, I could at least, you know, in my own little terms, do it. And uh, it eventually led to, you know, going back and playing and stuff like that and not having any problems. But wow, I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story, though. That is. And it's, you know, you, so you see the, the challenge of yeah. people that are forced to, like, well, you're never forced to, but they make the choice to continue to play. So, yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, dude. That's great. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't imagine myself stepping back into it. You know yeah. what I mean? Just stopping drinking and stopping all the craziness, and then just going right back into that same environment. I just couldn't imagine doing it. And I, you know, it's like you, you either go one extreme or the other. Sometimes that's the way the personality is. Yeah, I mean, so uh, anyway, good good on you, man. That's great. It's hard. I got a few friends that never got as far as I did. They just they were bad, but they managed to cut it all out for a minute and then go back to a little wine, maybe a beer. And they're all good. I'm like, damn, lucky dog. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about the new album. Uh, All right. What what is what's the the idea or the you know the the concept behind the title of the album? I mean, what's the album really about? So, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, I I love writing songs, so I write all the time. And a certain I have two other records in the can. One's pretty fresh, rock and roll band record we just made, end of nineteen. It's it's awesome. 
but it cost a little more to make. So we got to put a little more push into it. And so we just said, let's 